Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode today, and uh, I am joined by a new friend of mine, Brittany Rossi. Brittany, thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, and you were quite patient with me. I had a little bit of a mishap with my uh, my mic stand. So currently, I'm using American flag duct tape to tape my mic to a Gorillapod. Um, it's working so far. If anybody hears loud crashing in the background during the conversation, it's because it stopped working. But for now, we're <laughs> making it work. Um, thanks for being flexible with me. But we're going to actually dig into an interesting conversation today, which we, we've touched on this idea a little bit, uh, but only a very little bit within the you know, 300 plus episodes that I've recorded. And that is strengths uh, are building a, a business around our strengths. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited actually about the direction we're going to go in the conversation. It'll be interesting to get your take and perspective on this, this topic. But just give a little bit of context, if you don't mind, to our listeners before we jump into questions. You're not a photographer. Normally, we have photographers on the show, so you get to be an anomaly, which is fun. Um, yes. But just tell us briefly a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I help uh, personal brands figure out what makes them captivating and through doing that, be able to convert clients in a way that feels more natural, um, that doesn't feel icky. And that in turn allows you to build wealth and build a profitable business and, you know, leads to all the wonderful things like freedom and flexibility. Um, so we get to build a business around our lives and not our life around our businesses. And that all has to do with developing what I call a strengths based personal brand. Yeah. And we're going to dig into that particular part of the conversation here in more detail in just a bit. But um, this is actually really just a great segue. You set me up wonderfully for what is normally our first question here on the podcast. It has to do with brand position. Uh, and if I go to your website, it's brittanyrossi.com. For those of you listening in, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But it's just B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-R-O-S-S-I-E.com. And uh, I think you actually have the same handle on Instagram. Yeah, the same thing. So we'll link, we'll link to both in the show notes. But you sum up your brand position quite wonderfully. Uh, and when I say wonderfully, succinctly, it's easy to understand. It doesn't take five minutes to read and to, to try to pick through. Uh, you say, I help you create a captivating personal brand that converts clients, builds wealth, and leaves a legacy. And then the, the kind of dot, 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 if you will, on your terms. And you alluded to this a second ago. You talked about that feeling of uh, ickiness. I love that word. That reminds me of something that my mom used to say. But it, it's it's that feeling that, I'm not a salesperson. I'm assuming anyway here, and I'd love your love for you to elaborate on this. Sure. But that that feeling of not being a salesperson. I'm an artist. This idea that I have to sell myself or sell my art or sell this this product to somebody. It's not my comfort zone. Is that kind of what you're talking about? That's absolutely what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I come across a lot of business owners who are creative, and to step into the hard skill of selling 
um, it's really can be quite uncomfortable for them. And so, you know, the way we kind of overcome that is by identifying what our strengths are. And when we operate in those things, selling ends up becoming serving. And that's a really cool place to build a business from. Well, I have to give you props again. Of course, we're going to get into that that conversation of strengths in just a bit, but I have to give you props again for the succinct nature of your brand position, number one. Number two, the fact that it's out there in front for everybody. They don't have to go looking for it. The minute they get to your site, there's not a question of what is this brand actually about? What does she do? What is Brittany offering? And this is a really great example for our listeners. And we, we spend so much time talking about brand position. I love to have a great example of one. So for those of you listening in, make sure you go to BrittanyRossi.com and check out this really great example of a brand position, uh, number one. And two, the way that Brittany makes it front and center so that the person lands on their website, they know exactly what they're getting into with the brand the moment they get to the website. Make it easy for your clients to find out what it is that you do and more specifically, what it is that you do uniquely. Uh, because we live in a noisy, crowded environment, uh, particularly in the photography industry these days, you've got to figure out a, a way to effectively communicate how you are different than everyone else. And uh, this is a good example of that. So but let's keep the, the conversation going, though, because we have a lot to cover. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. First of all, how many years have you been in business? Oh, goodness. Let's see. Four going on five years. Okay. Yeah. So relatively new to the game, and I'm curious, with that experience so far, what has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? For me, I've learned that mission transcends fear, meaning, you know, if I really believe that helping people figure out what is captivating about them, which has to do with their strengths, um, then I will overcome my fear of maybe putting something out there in the world on Instagram video. Maybe I'm nervous about that, or maybe speaking from a stage, right. And and maximizing my impact by, by reaching more people. There might be fear in my heart or in my mind about doing something, but my mission, if I really believe that there are people out there with beautiful dreams and beautiful business ideas, then I will overcome that because I really believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the mission of my work. And so I think that applies to a lot of areas of our life. But when it comes to business, um, I find that the thing that moves me past my fear, whatever is there at that next level, the mission, what I believe in has to um, be big enough for me to move past that. Does that make sense? It does, actually. Yeah. And it reminds me of something uh, that I've, I've read from from Tony Robbins. In fact, I actually have a, a tattoo on my left arm, the inside of my left arm, uh, which is the Japanese word kakushin or belief. Mm-hmm. And Tony Robbins talks about the, the significance of belief, the, the role that belief plays in ultimately our ability to be able to act, right? So if we believe something strong enough, it translates to emotion, which translates to action. And mm. especially when that belief or belief system, and again, this is not about religion, this is just a belief or series of beliefs that, that drives us. Mm-hmm. Um, if that belief in something which leads to a mission is greater than us, it's about serving others that in turn will kind of add to the significance of that emotion, at least I found personally, and drive you beyond the fear. So yeah, what you're talking about totally makes sense. Good. Yeah. And I love that visual of the leaf. I think that that's really, really brilliant. I hadn't heard that before. I love that. Well, and, and you know, it's, a, it's a fascinating concept because while maybe we can oversimplify uh, this conversation or this point of conversation, uh, it's interesting to, to know that literally everything that we do is driven by a belief. And, and so that's helpful in understanding our own personal psychology, but it also makes a big difference in understanding how to engage with others, that ultimately mm-hmm. what we're engaging with is a series of beliefs. And again, this isn't about religion. This is about, I mean, literally I'm sitting in a chair right now because I believe it's going to hold me up 
right? So everything that we do is driven by a belief. Fortunately, that belief that the chair is going to hold me up actually turned out to be true. <laughs> and, and, but of course, the reality is that not every belief that we have is true objectively. And so we have to kind of sort through that as well. But yeah, it's a really powerful concept. And I love that. Um, when you have a mission, which is driven by a belief or series of beliefs that is greater than you, it can push you beyond that fear. And that's a really great reminder for all of us. And I, I'm actually curious, what is your mission? What is kind of the driving factor for what you do? I believe that we, we, we have this life here and we have this time here on earth. And at the end of the day, I want to leave a legacy of impacting people. Hmm. And I believe that I've been given my own strengths and gifts of pulling others, people's strengths and gifts out of them. And so when I retire, when I die, you know, I want to be able to look back on my life and say, yeah, I spent my, my time here well. And I don't want to allow fear of what people might think of me or anything like that to hold me back from, you know, making the world a better place. And a lot of my clients and my community feels the same way. We, we believe our visions are bigger than us and bigger than our pocketbooks. And we want to impact the community around us. And so um, that's really what drives me. Which is cool because that very much plays on that idea that I was talking about, which is that the mission is about more than than us, our ego, something that we want. It's about taking care of somebody else, making an impact, a positive impact in somebody else's life. And again, that's a great example. So I, I, I appreciate you making that example for us and sharing that with us. Talk to us about free time. You run mm. a business and it's very easy. I've, I've found particularly as of late to just get sucked into so many different things going on and ultimately not create space for our own personal, physical, mental health, but to do the same thing for the sake of our relationships and make time for the important people in our life. Talk to me about something or maybe two or three things that you do that enables you to still have some of that freedom amidst running a business. That's a great question. You know, I've really started to lean away from this idea of work-life balance and embracing that there is an ebb and flow. Yes time as an entrepreneur. And when we embrace that, we're able to kind of let go of the guilt and shame that we might put on ourselves of like, Oh, I need to do more of this or, Oh, I need to do less of that. Yeah. And so I would say that's kind of like part one. And that's really a, a decision that we make in our mind to look at our time a little bit differently. And I think the next thing that I would do and even recommend to others is I like to work in 90 day blocks or quarters, and this isn't anything unique to me. But with that idea, um, I set up an ideal week structure. So for the next 90 days, my ideal week might look different from the previous 90 days week. Um, so this would even be great for business people who have little ones who are in and out of school. So your 90 days over the summer can look a lot different than your 90 days in the fall. And that I think gives me permission in my mind to hold time and hold space differently. And it also kind of changes up my routine. I'm a big person on, on routine and systems, but giving myself permission to change that up and flex and pivot. If something's not working for me, yeah. that is helpful. And so when I make my ideal week structure, I use a lot of time blocking or chunking of my calendar. Mm -hmm. And then in order to hold myself accountable to that, I use a very simple tool, a timer, and I let that go off and it's just kind of a, oh, I, my time is up and I work a little bit better under pressure too. So there's this kind of external light pressure, making sure that I stay focused. So those are my, my things that help me hold my time accountable. And I even schedule time for myself because I, I love what I do and I can tend to um, overwork in that area. 
I, I think we're twins or something because this is <laughs> the similarities and your thought processes are so similar to mine to the extent that literally this morning, as I was at the gym, I was looking for a timer app because I was like, I, I need to do a better job of, of kind of what you're talking about, pushing myself to get more done within a segment of time, because I also tend to enjoy working in short spurts of time. If I can mm-hmm. work in a 20 minute segment or 30 minute segment or an hour segment and, and really focus and then take a break for a bit and then go back and do another one of those segments, I prefer to work that way. And uh, yes. so it's funny, the similarities here, ultimately little side note here, no need to go get a fancy app for a timer. We have one on our phone. You can just set that right. and even right. tell Siri to set it for us and um, and then go to town with it. So I think that's great. But I want to go back to the ebb and flow because this is also something that I've realized more significantly in the last, I will say, few months or so, maybe a little bit longer, is that very reality. I used to be a bit more black and white. In fact, maybe much more black and white about this is the schedule. This is how many hours and this is what it should look like. And the reality mm-hmm. is that things do kind of flex and change and being okay going with the flow, as long as we don't let that ebb or that flow go on too long, where we then burn mm-hmm. ourselves out or burn out a relationship as a result of not giving it attention, um, then, then that's a healthy thing to do. So that's great. I'm curious about your 90-day cycles and, and the time blocking. Do you take time at the beginning of each week? After you've established what that 90-day cycle is going to look like, do you take the time at the beginning of each week to plan out how you're, what work you're going to do during those time blocks in the week? What does that look like? Yes. So at the beginning of the quarter, I kind of set up what I think my ideal time is like, maybe I want to have a a workout time in the morning instead of the evening, things like that. And then at at the beginning and end of each week, I kind of do a very short commitment of time, like 20 minutes of reflection of, okay, what's coming up this week that might be outside of my regular repeated daily morning mindset time or my committed workout time, right? I might have and um, something outside of my normal routine, like a client call. And so those things are flexing and pivoting every week that that looks different, but I, I kind of get an overhead over eagle eye view of my week. And then I look at the end of my week, like, did I hold myself accountable to those time blocks? And did I get enough sleep? And did I, you know, go on walks and eat lunch and drink enough water throughout the day and, you know, kind of reflect and say, how well did I do this this week? And um, do I need to make a, a small adjustment for next week? Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I like this because it plays on that, that the same, a similar idea with the 90 day cycle and that instead of waiting until the end of the year to come up with, or first of all, to do a review, but then secondly, to come up with new year's resolutions, there's this constant or ongoing review process, which I think is a much healthier way to go about life. You know, we establish a set of, we talked about beliefs earlier, a set of beliefs or values that drive what we do personally, which translates to what we do on a business level. And, and then we consistently review what it is that we're doing to look for opportunities to improve and uh, make adjustments and make corrections. Uh, I like this and it keeps things fresh and interesting. I mean, even something as simple as moving the workout, you mentioned moving the workout from the morning to the evening. I I'm also kind of a, a systems and structure kind of guy. So the idea of shifting things around is not my tendency, but I, I think mixing it up just creates a little bit of variety, which is mentally stimulating. It helps right. us it encourage us to be flexible and kind of go with a, a different flow. So I think that's really great too. This is, this is really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a very small time commitment. Like you can do the previous week review and the next week's review at the same time that you sit down. And it's a, such a small commitment of time, 20 minutes to just hold that space and say, did I do this well? And what's coming up? And just make sure that you're on track with what your big goals are that year. It's, it's the small daily decisions that add up. 
Do you manage or do you manage tasks or projects in addition to time blocking your calendar or do you just tend to focus on the calendar? What does that look like? For me, I do use a project management tool because I, in some, for some clients, I do the done for you aspect of the visual branding, like what people call a graphic design. And then um, for other clients, I don't need that. And so I have my, my routine block calendar, and then I have the project management. And the way that ends up looking is I hold a time block for creative design time or project client project time, time blocks. And then within those time blocks, I use a project management system and tool. What tool do you use, if I can ask? I use ClickUp. I formerly used Asana. Both are great. I think it just has to kind of do with how your brain is wired and um, layouts and things like that, what what your brain most connects best with. Yeah. But both are great tools. ClickUp. Okay. We'll have to link to that in the show notes for everybody that's curious. It is nice to have a place where you can even if it's just a place to kind of unload what's going on in your head so you don't have to keep track of it or lose track of it, uh, then that's that's a great thing just for the sake of kind of mental health again. Um, and it's If we hold on to whatever it is that we're mulling over and we do that mm-hmm. going to bed at night, um, there's a likelihood that that may even affect sleep uh, or ability to be able to at least to wind down. And so to have a task and management project management tool to unload those ideas, those next steps, those actions or tasks into is good, first of all, but then just to have an organized place to reference what needs to be done next. And then within those time blocks, I think this is a great kind of combination workflow style that that you've implemented. And I think it's a great example for our listeners. Um, And it really, it kind of inspires me to kind of up my game too. So this is good stuff. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about your your favorite self-help book or maybe a business book, potentially even a podcast that you've listened to or read in the last few years that you would recommend? Absolutely. And this is such a tough question for me because I'm a huge book person. And I would have to say, if I had to pick one, StrengthsFinders 2.0, and that's simply because it really it changed my life. And it's what launched me into my business and the nature of my business. I just really believe in this idea of leaning into your strengths. And I can see how it can change people's lives. But if I had if I had permission to share a second book, yeah, I would say um, the one thing. The one thing is a book that teaches you how to focus uh-huh. on one thing at a time and kind of reduces the overwhelm. Um, so I usually recommend both books at the same time. Those are my top two books that I recommend to anybody at any stage of business. Beginning, you know, uh, if you're a you know a, a professional, like you've been at this for twenty years, like it's still great to read those books. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll link to both of them. Bonus, we get two books today. Um, We'll we'll link to both of them in the show notes. Again, for those of you listening in, take advantage of the show notes, bokehpodcast.com. You can see the show notes there. Of course, if you're using an app that has the show notes with the episode, you can take advantage of them there as well. But we're going to link to the resources that we discussed. We're going to post the talking points. And I say we, actually, I should say Haley. Haley produces our podcast, puts that information there. Take advantage of it. It's a wealth of information. Uh, but you mentioned Strengths Finder, Brittany, and, and this is a good segue to the beginning of our conversation about building a business around our strengths. And um, let's start, first of all, I mean, you recommended a book. This is probably a good first place to start. But what are the most, and we'll say the three most effective ways to begin to understand or learn what our strengths are? I think there's easy ways and then there's effective ways to learn our strengths. Ah, and so, you mean um, not everything I, is easy, huh? <laughs> Um, so one really simple 
way to kind of figure out what your strengths are is just simple self-reflection and asking yourself like, what is the thing that my friends and family come to the most for? For example, am I that person in the family that everyone comes to with their computer issues um, because I'm kind of the techie person in the family? Hmm. Or am I the person that people come to because I'm a really good listener and I'm really intuitive emotionally and um, I'm the one they come to with all their their personal problems or relational problems to kind of get clarity on. And so just taking a moment and saying like, when was the last time someone complimented me on something? Maybe it was my my style, my sense of style, my outfit, or my hair, or maybe even it's my smile. Like maybe I'm a very joyful person. So that's kind of the first way to kind of gauge. It's free. It just takes um, some intentionality. And I would say that's probably the easiest. It's a it's effective, but sometimes that's not enough. Like self-reflecting, we, we really sometimes are in a place where we cannot see what it is that we're good at. Objectively, um, right? Right, right. And so the second thing that I recommend is working with somebody else, asking a coworker, asking a friend, um, asking a family member, they can give you a little bit more objective and give you examples of like, no, you're really good at this. You're really good at organizing closets. Like you just have a gift for how to put things in boxes and figure out what goes where. Like in other people, they just have no way of like seeing that thing, right? But taking it to an even more effective level would be to work with a coach um, in whatever industry that you're needing support around. So working with a coach, they have tools and skill sets that are able to be a whole lot more objective. And then lastly, I re- always recommend Strengths Finders. It's a personality assessment. Um, there's lots of personality assessments out there. There's Enneagram. There's Myers-Briggs. I really like Strengths Finders, and each one has, um, you know, its own things that it highlights, like disc profiles. But I like Strengths Finders for the reason that it gives you working language to describe what your strengths are, why you have those strengths, who your strengths will be a complement to, and then it, it's much more practical and tangible takeaways that you can implement immediately. And so those would be the three ways that I, you know, encourage people to start exploring their strengths. And Strengths Finders is really objective because you do a, a Pew Research poll, so it's very well researched, it's really well done. And so I think it's something that people can lean on a little bit more with a little bit more faith and belief like like your chair, like you just trust it. <laughs> it's yeah. going to hold you up, right? So that that's what I would recommend. Now I'm curious here. It's and this is something that I've been um, we've discussed a little bit on the podcast to date. But how much of a risk is there in kind of trusting another system like Strengths Finder or you know Enneagram has been kind of the the talk of the town as of late, um, mm, and these yeah. other systems for somebody else to kind of define who we are, our personalities, our strengths, or otherwise, and let that box us in because. We're all kind of looking, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, for, for something you alluded to earlier, the simple way out, right? It's if somebody gives us an answer now, we don't have to do the work and figure it out or acknowledge the fact that we are actually responsible for our own behavior and we have the ability to make change and to improve. And yes. and so if we read a book and, and this book says, well, you are this and we're like, oh, OK, I'm that. And we just we kind of resign ourselves to that in a way. Can that actually inhibit us being the best possible version of ourselves? Oh, goodness. I think anytime we put ourselves into a box, we limit ourselves. And the thing that I like 
about strengths finders is that it doesn't just give you your number one strength. Okay. It doesn't just give you your top five strengths. It gives you a huge list of strengths in order from like your number one strength to what you're probably weakest at. It gives you a spectrum. And that spectrum, as you grow as a human being, right, those those will reorganize themselves in the list. Um, maybe you're in a season where you have to be a lot more analytical, but in a few years, like maybe your strength is in being uh, someone who's able to woo people and win them over. So, you know, with this system, you're less putting yourself in a box and instead giving yourself a framework and language with which you can build. And I think uh, personally, um, I know what it feels like to feel like I'm in a box, a square peg in a round hole. And that never feels good. And I think that when it comes to branding and your brand positioning, you know, that's why sometimes people will get a brand done and it still feels like they're wearing a coat that's too big or the shoes pinched too tight in their toes. And they don't feel comfortable standing up in it yeah. or standing up behind it. And um, so I never recommend saying like, oh, I am this and not that. I don't think that's the point of any personality assessment. I think the point of a personality assessment is for us to be aware of where we are today and for us to hold that in our mind as we continue to grow as human beings. Yeah, I, I like a looser structure and and what you were just alluding to, this this openness or maintaining really an open mind. Um, mm. Because I think, again, in our culture, there is this tendency outside of the personality test for people to say, I am this or I don't do fill in the blank or I I would never do fill in the blank. And it's just a very simplistic summary of who they are as an individual. And that's now translated to, I mean, again, the, the popular thing right now is Enneagram. And mm. so people are like, I'm a two, I'm a one, I'm a this, I'm a that. And, and it seems just overly simplistic. And the concern that I have with it is a mentality, which is, well, I am this thing. So I'm not mm -hmm. capable of going beyond that, this, this label, this, this name, this number. Right. And, and it's ultimately quite limiting. You know, if I had written, for example, if I'd written myself off to being a quote introvert, which is something that is so popular to say in the photography industry, um, years ago, I would have significantly limited my ability as a business person. I mean, you know, the likelihood of doing a, a podcast, uh, for example, may have been less to, to none. And, and this could have translated to, to multiple areas of my life, personally and professionally. Instead, what I realized was there was a psychology that, that was driving that introverted behavior. Um, there mm -hmm. was a reason why I felt uncomfortable engaging with groups of people or I could only be in a room for X amount of time before I felt like I needed to step out and take a break there was psychology behind that. Once I actually did some self-examination, like you were talking about before, then I realized what I needed to change and adjust in order to actually do a better job of being comfortable in those groups of people and engaging without feeling like I needed to take a break right away. Right. So I, I just think that it's good to have conversations about developing self-awareness around our strengths and who we are, but also keeping an open mind. And so I like what you're describing about StrengthsFinder and that it's a framework but it's not putting you in a, in a tiny box. And I think that's a great place to start. But I, I also want to, I'm curious because there was a theme in, in uh, the communication that we had leading up to this interview of this, this point about being confident in our strengths. Um, and, you know, another theme that we're seeing, a trend uh, that we're seeing in our culture right now uh, is around this idea of insecurity. And you see it played out very obviously. You see people talking about it. They, they acknowledge the fact that they're insecure. Others are behaving because of their insecurities and not necessarily realizing that that's what's driving that behavior. 
but when we talk about our strengths, if we begin to understand what our strengths are, there, there may be a chance that we are feeling insecure in those strengths or, or in not having the confidence to say, I, I am really great at this. And so I'm curious, first of all, your perspective about why this is a trend. Why is there this, this, such a significant focus right now on insecurity in our culture? I think that's a really good question. And I don't think that there has been ever a time where we've had more messaging coming at us every day, telling us who to be and how to be it. And the latest guru is saying, buy this, not that. And we don't have the ability to make a decision because we've lost our identity and we are desperate for someone to tell me I'm a one wing three Enneagram or I'm an INTJ Myers-Briggs. And we, we're looking for truth about ourselves. We're looking for answers to people who we hope will tell us. And really, it's about looking inside us and figuring out, okay, how am I wired? This doesn't put me in a box. I can change. I can grow as a human. But, but if we understand, like what you're saying, what's driving me psychologically, what's driving my behaviors, um, what, what, why do I lean towards this thing? Why am I bent towards it naturally? And um, I have these strengths. And when it comes to the insecurity, I think it has to do with the messaging that makes us feel like we're not enough. But the truth is we are as human beings, we have worth and we have something to offer, but we may not have had an environment growing up, uh, that reinforced that to us. Mm. And now we may be saying, okay, where does my value come from? Does it come from my business? Does it come from my relationships or do I have inherent worth and value? And I think that's one of the reasons why, and maybe you can kind of hear my voice like I'm sitting up straight or I'm like, I have feelings about this. <laughs> but, um, it's really important to me that people can identify what, what their strengths are because it, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if your hair is blue. It doesn't matter what your body shape is. Everyone is attractive. And you want to be in their presence when they are confident about who they are and what they're good at and even mm. what they're not good at. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you experienced that? Just, you just yeah. want to be in presence yep. because it's good to be around them. Yeah. Well, they don't, it, it doesn't feel like they have anything to prove. They just are. Yes. And that is, that, that's wonderfully inspiring and encouraging. It creates a sense of, of comfort and calm when you're in, in that person's presence. So yeah, I, I know what you mean for sure. Yeah. And so I, you're right. I think insecurity is rife. And if I had to point at something, I would have to say it's coming from the huge variety of messaging coming at us every day. And yeah. it's, I think we're, it's just spinning us. It's spinning us round and round and round. And we're not sure necessarily where to look. Yeah. Combined with the other thing you alluded to, which is that whether it's childhood um, psychology or psychological development, or maybe something that happened a little bit later in life that it has made us question our worth in one form or another. Yeah. The combination of those things I can imagine would have a significant effect on our ability to feel confident in ourselves and in our strengths. But what are just on a very practical level, what are a couple of ways that, that our listeners can begin to address some of those insecurities in their abilities? Because if we're going to build a business around our strengths, we have to be confident in their significance, right? Right. Exactly. So I have three ways that I work with people in reestablishing that confidence. The first thing is mindset. I believe very strongly 
in verbal declarations, maybe if you call them affirmations of what is true. We have a tendency to forget what is true about ourselves, about our circumstances, about our perspective. We have to say the truth out loud. And I'm sure you may know this since you seem to know a lot about like psychology, but there is a big connection in our brains between thinking something and speaking it out into the world world verbally. Different you know, neurons and things light up in our brain and pathways are created. Mm. And so in my mindset practice, I don't only reset my intentions for the day or the week. I also speak out loud what I believe to be true about myself. Um, I have a little... It's, it's framed. It's on my wall. It's called my mindset beliefs. And it's, it's what I believe to be true about myself, about those around me, about what I can do in my business. And some things may not always feel true, but they are true. And I think that that's something that um, we have to practice every day. And I might miss a day or two here or there, but that's what I call it a practice, right? There's no pressure to, to get it perfect. The second thing is community. Surrounding yourself with people who are aligned with your values and as much as possible can speak truth to you on the days when you're not feeling like what is true is true. Having them be able to speak honestly to you if you're not operating out of who you should be or or know yourself to be. Like I have bad days and things come out of my mouth sideways. And, you know, I have friends in my life who say like, Brittany, that's not who you are. And like, you're better than that, right? We all have these moments and having community around us that calls us up and into our strengths, I think is absolutely essential. And then if that is not as effective, I mean, I really encourage some type of counseling or coaching, depending on the depth of support that you need Mm -hmm. to help you really establish firm pillars in your life that you can lean on to trust yourself and have that confidence in, in your strengths and in your abilities. Oh, this is good. Um, okay. Well, I want to keep moving here. What, what, when we talk about the number of strengths, I mean, you actually alluded to this with strengths finder that it gives you not just one or two or three, but a list of strengths, maybe from strongest to weakest, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. that one could potentially focus on when it comes to developing a business. But like you also alluded to, there there's so many choices, right? There's so many options in that. How do you land on one, maybe two, that you can really hone in on and focus on for the sake of developing a brand or a brand position? I really like this question because at this point, I really think there's room to have fun here. Like okay. you can remove the pressure and just say, I think I want to lean into this. And, you know, I know I can't go wrong um, because this is a strength of mine. Huh. And, but if someone is wanting something more definitive, like an exercise, I like to point them to the retirement exercise. Okay. So at the end of my working years, what do I want to look back on my life and see a lot of, do I want to see a lot of relationships? Do I want to see that I impacted a community? And if that's the case, what strength should I lean into? Um, So maybe it's a sense of humor and you want to make people laugh. And you want to move into like stand-up comedy or you want to bring that into your wedding photography business, like your sense of joy and your sense of humor of making people laugh on their wedding day, right? Because I know this is really for the, the wedding industry, but um, look and look back on your life. At, imagine yourself at retirement day or on your deathbed. Some people like that instead. And what do you want to be remembered for? And then lean into that strength. 
That's good. But I, I like how you started this. And it's a good reminder for me, too, because I, I tend to want to be, make the right decision to begin with and, <laughs> yeah. and get it just right. And it's going to play out the best or, you know, quote, perfect. And uh, I, I realized that there is significance to the idea instead of picking what looks best right now and going with it, realizing that you can then later course correct. Absolutely. Um, and and I, this is something that I've, I've also recently reminded my son of as well. He's getting ready to go to college soon. And, and you know, it comes down to decisions about where to go and how to approach this and what to do. And, and I encouraged him, go ahead and make a call, what you know to be the best thing to do now. And if you need to, later on, you can course correct. And we can just take a deep breath and smile and, and acknowledge that, especially for, for the kind of OCD types, maybe type A's like myself. Um, it's good to have that reminder. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But I want to get to what it looks like to translate that, that strength. Let's just imagine that we're picking kind of one primary strength that we're going to focus on. Um, what does it actually look like on a very practical level to translate that strength to a brand position? Maybe you can share a case study or two. Absolutely. So say, for example, someone's strength is to really just find the humor in everything. And they're very positive and very joyful. That's their personality's disposition. I think pretty popular example would be um, the purple mattress or squatty potty or that poo-pourri spray, right? The same copywriters wrote all of those commercials. Interesting. They are really fun-loving group of guys and they have a ton of fun with what they do. Yeah. And it brings a lot of humor and joy and fun into the branding. So that's how it kind of translates into the brand position. Hmm. And a less humorous example, let's even just look at Nike. So this isn't a personal brand, but Nike is a great example of how whoever was at the top and dreaming of this company had this vision of a person who had a lot of drive, of someone being decisive and really goal-oriented. And the way that translated was into their, their tagline, just do it. And so our strength starts to bleed through in our tone of voice, into our messaging, into our personal style and dress for a personal brand, like a wedding photographer or even a wedding planner, things like that. For me, I have a very friendly community-driven value system. And so in my language on my website, I say, hey, lady, like, hey, sister. And it comes across as very accessible, right? So I want people to be able to feel comfortable reaching out to me, talking to me, not feel intimidated um, about, you know, taking their business to the next level. Does that make sense? How that strength will translate into a brand position? Yeah, it, it does. And I'm actually I'm on the homepage of your website right now. And, and you say one of the lines there is, let's talk about that brilliant brand and profitable business of yours, lady. And then further down, hey, sister, I'm Brittany. Uh, so you are kind of creating this more laid back environment for the sake of connecting with somebody. Uh, and, and that's really, really nice. I, I think too about, and maybe just to share another practical example, for me personally, I'm very much uh, obsessed, if you will, about time. We were talking about timers earlier and the mm. significance of time, especially when it comes to having time to connect with important people in my life. And so uh, time and then relationships, these two ideas, uh, I've, I've decided, and, and I think decided is a really great word too. And I'd love to get your take on this, by the way, Brittany. Sure. You know, we, when we talk about finding strengths, um, it, it's, it is kind of exploratory. And in the case of using something like the strengths finder, we're getting somebody else's take based on, on research, certainly, but somebody else's take on what we're good at. But at the end of the day, we have this tendency to kind of search for, you know, we're, we're looking for what we're supposed to 
quote supposed to do in life or looking for our strengths, almost as though it's this thing that's out there, this nebulous idea that we're, that we're going to at some point find out as opposed to certainly acknowledging our strengths, but then making a decision ultimately about what we want to create and doing that thing. Um, you know, some people will say, I want to, to figure out what I'm supposed to do or find out what I'm supposed to do as though they're going to go out and find that from somebody else. When the reality is mm. we can ultimately decide what we want to be and to create that. And so I've done that for me, for me, I, it's much easier for me to have simplified it down to a couple of ideas, time and relationships and everything that I do right now in business um, is centered around that. Photographers Edit offers editing services, but it's about saving photographers time. We're launching a brand called Milu, which is a very simple platform that enables collaboration between coordinators, event coordinators and photographers uh, on their events. It is extremely easy to use, so it's efficient. It's about saving time, but ultimately it's about collaboration, which is relationships. Right. And so that's just a couple of examples, again, of taking something that you're good at, that you have strengths in, and that you're also interested in and translating that to what you're doing for business. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's brilliant too. Like that's, there's a lot of ways that strengths um, will translate into your brand, your products, your positioning, um, your messaging, all of the, even your colors, right? Like that's, that's something where we get to have fun again with knowing what we're good at and, and celebrating that. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's an attractive thing too. It is. But I, I like, again, I want to go back to what you said earlier, because I think it's so brilliant. And maybe I'm just, maybe it's brilliant for me, but that reminder of, we do have to ultimately make a decision, but we don't have to stress out about the decision. We pick the strength, we run with it. We make the decision about what we're going to focus on. And if it doesn't work for some reason then we can always course correct, go, go to a different strength and focus on that. Ultimately, though, it's on us to make that decision and we need to take responsibility for that. And that will enable us to get moving, uh, which is yes. a, a big part of being an entrepreneur in the first place anyway. After spending time developing a brand position that, that highlights our strengths, ideally, how do you avoid getting distracted by what others are doing? I mean, we, we start this thing and it may be really great, but um, I think you actually alluded uh, to it as the, the shiny object syndrome. How do you yes. avoid that? Oh man, shiny object syndrome is such a calamity in the online space, especially, and it happens in every industry where personal branding is, is a factor. But I would say while we, when we know what our strengths are, we're empowered to say no more decisively mm. to other opportunities that may be great opportunities, but not our opportunities. And there's a big difference there. There's all kinds of wonderful opportunities. And when we are operating out of a lack of confidence, out of anxiety, out of insecurity, we become desperate and we take anything that's given to us, even if it's not a good fit. And when we know what we are good at and we have clarity on what we can do to serve our clients best, then we, it's really easy, honestly, to stay in our own lane. Yeah. And we have no fear of copycat syndrome or being unintentional, an unintentional troll because no, no one can be us. No one can be us. We are the only person that can be us. And therefore, I'm not distracted anymore by what others are doing or if they have a script that looks really similar to the one I use on my website and my branding. I'm not in intimidated by that. I don't feel threatened by that. 
And that's a wonderful place to be, right? Where it's, it's, we can admire and celebrate what others are doing, even if it's similar to us. And I think that there's always going to be a temptation to try what somebody else is doing because they're successful at it. But I think it's really important to pause and ask the question, why? Why is it that they are successful at that? Is that because that falls into their wheelhouse, their zone of genius, their area of strengths? Or is there something else at play here? And would that work for me? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, it acts as a filter. And, and you're right. Yeah. So having that, the clarity of understanding the strengths is, is a um, kind of a baseline is great. And I'm glad that we started with that. But now, as you point out, they can use that understanding of their strengths as a filter to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging, um, you know, something that looks great or that somebody is doing a great job or potentially even learning from what they're doing and being able to take some of those principles and apply it to your mission. Mm-hmm. But being mm-hmm. clear about your mission to begin with acts as a filter so that it helps minimize the, the distraction of what somebody else might be doing and kind of being drawn into that to the extent that now we're no longer focusing on what we started. And exactly. I, I think that's a really great reminder. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I love the, the psychological nature of it, but it's mm-hmm. so extremely practical too, Brittany. And I really appreciate you making time to share with the podcast. And, and I know that there is you know, we, we kind of scratched the surface today in less than an hour where we're talking about some pretty big things here. Uh, I would love for our listeners to be able to find you. And I know we mentioned your site earlier again, but will you remind them where they can find you online and maybe some of the services, the coaching services and so forth that you offer as well? Absolutely. So you can find me at my website, brittanyrossi.com, which I believe he'll, will be in the show notes. And you can also find me at the same Instagram handle, Brittany Rossi. I do have a community for legacy-driven entrepreneurs, people who want to leave something bigger behind them, right? And impact their communities. And so I would love to support people who are trying to dial in that brand because it just doesn't feel like them anymore. Um, and if you need help with even the, the visual aspect of that, so maybe you get clear on your mission and your values and your strengths and how that translates into your messaging and products, if you're not sure what that looks like visually at a glance with your colors and your style, um, I, I offer support for the whole enchilada is what I call it from <laughs> the foundational stuff to the, the pretty visuals. Well, and I have to point out too, and, and in case anybody listening in didn't notice, uh, Brittany's communication skills are on point. Uh, the audio is on point. She's also a podcast host herself. Um, tell us, tell our listeners about your podcast, Brittany. Absolutely. So the podcast is called The Brittany Rossi Show, and it's an opportunity to highlight other uh, personal brands, other businesses. And it's a place where we kind of go behind the scenes and share a little bit more of what it really takes to run a business and kind of some of the, the highs and the lows, the mistakes to avoid and and laugh about them and, and warn others not to commit those errors and so um, if you are interested in learning more about other people's businesses and how they've built them, that would be the, the place to check out. And it's called The Brittany Rossi Show. Cool. Yeah. And and I'll just read a couple of titles here, too, just to tease uh, the interests of our listeners. Four ways you're confusing your potential clients. That, that definitely drew, drew me in. But then you're going for something like that to um, more, a little more practical for a photographer, how to plan a styled brand photo shoot, quit corporate and thrive as a coach. That's a whole different point of conversation, romantic relationships equals revenue. That also kind of piqued my interest, but uh, we'll make sure to link to the podcast in the show notes as well. And then did you say, were you about to say something else too? 
I was, I was going to say your, your listeners should tune in because we will be having you share a little bit more about your business. So if you want to hear some behind the scenes about Nathan and his, his journey, um, you should tune in for our, our podcast together there. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that shout out. And if by the time this episode gets released, um, my episode is live as well. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. But thanks again, Brittany, for making time for the Boca community. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.